So, we've had two weeks of dangerous prayers, and some of you have come back for more. Pretty impressed, actually. Good for you. Um, I thought I might have frightened one or two off by now, but perhaps you're a more dangerous bunch than I thought. So an introductory premise goes something like this. I am convinced that if you play it safe, then safe is what you will almost certainly get. Hey, you, can, you can tick along. God will still use you. He'll still work in your life and circumstances. But if you'll start praying dangerous prayers, that will open you up to a whole other level. As they say, don't they? The big ships, they sail in the deep water. It's also true to say that there is, there's no testimony without a trial, that there's no summit without a mountain climb, there's no victory without a battle. And so the, um, the, the leading line in this series has been something like this, that, that, our, that our fruitfulness in the kingdom will be directly proportional to the number of dangerous prayers you're prepared to pray. We've opened that up over the last couple of weeks. Are you prepared to give God a wide open door? Are you prepared to, to put yourself in a vulnerable position? Are you prepared to step forward onto the front line? Are you prepared to pray those, those edgy, life-changing, destiny-shifting prayers that invite the activity of God? So today's dangerous prayer is, Lord, fill me. Doesn't sound very dangerous. After all, who doesn't want to be full of, of all the wonderful things that God has for all of us? You know, fill me at first glance sounds like a kind of cuddly teddy bear prayer. But you know what? It depends upon what you want to be filled with and where that will inevitably lead. The trouble is, guess what has to happen before you can be filled? We'll get to that. Let's start off with, with this question. With what does God want to fill you? Now, a quick lightning stop tour here. Start off with Jesus, of course, talked about, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that in itself opens the door to so many good things. So we have Luke 24, verse 49. One of Jesus' closing uh, spiels to his disciples, if you like, and he said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. First thing God wants to fill you with is his power. We read on, don't we, into Acts chapter 2, and that happened actually. Verse 3 said, then what looked like Flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then, and then uh, the Apostle Peter started opening all of that up as he preached to the crowd. And he quoted from the book of Psalms. He said, Acts 2 verse 28, You have shown me the way of life. You will fill me with the joy 
of your presence. God wants to fill you, fill me, fill all of us with the joy of his presence. Moving uh, a few books forward, the Apostle Paul prayed a few Lord fill me prayers. Romans 15, verse 13, I love this one. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Who doesn't want to be filled with joy and peace? So then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Another of Paul's prayers, Ephesians 3, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. One more from Paul, Philippians 1, uh, verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Just finishing off my whistle-stop stop tour here, um, Paul also talked about fullness. Ephesians 1.23, And the church is his body. It is being made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Romans 5, 5, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And finally, Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and dare I say, Simon, even a little jig here and there, <laughs> among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. As I said, who doesn't want to be filled with all of that? And the good news is, is that the Lord has a heavenly treasure chest and longs to fill you with so many good things. He longs to fill you with joy and peace. He longs to fill you with faith and hope and with love and compassion. He longs to fill you with his presence and his power, with grace and strength to fill you with godliness and holiness. To which I'd say, yes, please. What a list. You know, if we, if we want to live a godly and a purposeful and a powerful life, then surely the prayer, Lord, fill me, should never be far from our lips. Like me saying, hang on, Jamie. I thought this series was called Dangerous Prayers. What's dangerous about that. But of course, here's the twist. Before you can be filled, first, you'll have to be empty. If you really do want to get filled, something is almost certainly going to have to be displaced in order to make room. For example, God cannot fill your life with his power until you've been emptied of your own self-sufficiency. He cannot fill your life with his peace until you've been emptied of that urge to micromanage and to interfere and to fix it all yourself and to run ahead of God. He's not going to be able to fill you with faith until you've dealt with some of that fear. 
And God cannot cover your life with his glory if you're still overly concerned with making sure that it's you who gets the credit. So there's another prayer that must also be prayed. And that is the prayer, Lord, empty me. We're going to have a little look at a passage uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, which we're going to just work through quickly. I'll read it to you first. It's Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24. So take out your mobile phones or look at the screen. That'll be easier. With the Lord's authority, I say this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. He starts with one side, if you like. And then verse 20 says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, so Paul, he's painting a picture here. And he's saying this, as, as fresh converts, as new Christians, as spiritual babies, if you like, we come into our new Christian lives with baggage. Maybe it's our old sinful ways. Maybe we've got this kind of propensity for a fleshly overreaction, whether that's anger or lust or greed or pride. You know, our thoughts are still strongly led astray by the enemy's lies, by those twisted mistruths and half-truths that he loves to sell to you. We, we come with, with wounds that still need to be healed. We have habits that still need to be broken. If you like, we have, we have faulty programming that needs to be overwritten. And what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 4 is, is that like an, a, a set of old clothes, they need to be taken off. And they need to be replaced with what Paul describes as your new nature. He calls it being, being renewed. And that process is, is, is getting rid of or throwing off or emptying out the old to make space to be filled with the new. The picture is, is I think, of, of a kitchen renovation. I had a kitchen renovation years back. Perth did it. Happy days, eh, Perth? Happy for me because we got a nice new kitchen. And what happens when you renovate your kitchen is, first of all, that old and run-down and dated and tired kitchen needs to be emptied out. I think that's the fun part. And then once the old has been stripped away, the builder, in our case, purse, can start to refill with that new and shiny and modern kitchen, the new units and worktops and tiles and appliances. 
all stripped away, emptied and refilled. We see this principle in, in one of John the Baptist's famous statements in John 3, verse 33. He said, he, talking about Jesus, said, he must increase, but I must decrease. It must become less and less about me, said John, more and more about him. It must be decreasingly dependent on my flesh and increasingly dependent on his spirit. It must be less about my strength and more about his, his dunamis, more about his strength and power. You see, you can't be full of the kingdom if you're already full of the world. You can't be full of Jesus if you're already full of yourself. You won't have room for his purposes if you're overly fixated with your own. You won't prioritize what pleases God if you're too busy trying to please everyone else, seeking their approval and dancing to their tune. So there needs to be an emptying. There needs to be an emptying of offence and a filling with forgiveness. There needs to be an emptying of that old regret and guilt and shame. There needs to be a filling with hope and expectation. There needs to be an emptying of anger and frustration if there's to be a filling with love and compassion. There needs to be an emptying of pride and a filling with humility, an emptying of greed and a filling with generosity. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought of three prominent Bible characters who had an emptying and a filling, and I thought it would be helpful for you if I paint those pictures. So we're going to do three very quickly. We won't have time to do the whole story. I'll summarize it. The first one is the story of the rich young ruler. He came and, and bumped up in front of Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. And he was, you know, obviously a very godly guy and he was trying to do the right thing. And he was asking some really interesting questions about what do I need to do to be saved and which are the greatest commandments. And he obviously was quite content with himself that he was living quite an upright life. But the crux of the story came down to this. Matthew 19, verse 21, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, that means mature, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus said, when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. And what Jesus is saying to this young man is something like this. You could have a relationship with me, but at the moment you have a consuming relationship with your wealth. You could have spiritual riches if you weren't so possessed by or obsessed with or, or motivated by earthly riches. He's saying, if you would empty yourself of that, then I could fill you. And for you, the thing that you need to empty 
It's your treasure chest, your wallet, your bank account. You need to empty yourself of your love for, your reliance on, your fixation with money. And the story doesn't tell us whether he made that step or not. Second one, diving back into the Old Testament, is, is that wonderful character of Samson. If you remember Samson, the story goes something like this, that, that his parents were promised that, that if, he, if he maintained this, this Nazarite vow of consecration, in other words, he was going to be specially set apart to the Lord and to his service, but there were certain vows and conditions he had to fulfill, one of which, of course, at the top of the list was not having his hair cut. There we go, very, very topical. If he would maintain that vow, he'd have this abundant supernatural strength with which to serve the Lord. But you see, the key here, it wasn't about having long hair. The key, it was about his walk with God. As long as Samson walked with God, which is what all that vow of consecration was all about, he would have the power that he needed to serve him. But if you remember what happened, lust got in and women got in, Philistine women got in, and eventually Delilah got in. And Samson stopped walking with God and he started walking or something with Delilah. And if you remember, eventually he gave away that secret and while he was sleeping, Delilah cut off his hair. But again, here's the point. It wasn't about his hair. It was about his consecration. It was about his commitment to and his walk with the Lord. And this story is about, about a steady slide from godliness into worldliness. He stopped walking with God and started walking with the world. But if you carry on and read, the story doesn't finish there because when he repented, when he finally emptied himself of those lusts and desires, the thirst that he clearly had for status and for acceptance and for popularity, when he emptied himself of that, then he was able to return to intimate relationship with God who was then able to fill him again with that supernatural strength and power. And we know the end of the story. Or if you don't, you can look it up and read this afternoon. Okay, number three, my third biblical character is Saul of Tarsus. We've already quoted from him this morning. He became Paul the Apostle. Now, going, going back to when he was Saul of Tarsus, Saul had become so completely filled with religion with legalism, with this kind of misplaced zeal, so much so that he lost sight of what really mattered, which was the heart of God. So much so that God had to, had to literally knock him off his high horse and blind his eyes so he could be emptied of all that and be refilled, this time with, with the right things in the right way. He needed to be emptied of, of the letter of the law so he could be filled with 
spirit of the law. He, he needed to be emptied of, of the doctrines of men, which Jesus said actually nullified the word. He needed to be emptied of that so he could be filled with the truth of the life-giving spirit. He needed to be emptied of a whole lot of stored-up hate and jealousy so he could be filled with the Lord's love and compassion. Of course, there's a beautiful irony in this story that the one who, who was from that, that Pharisaic cult that was so vehemently anti-outsider became the one sent as apostle to those outsiders, the Gentiles. And the point I want, I want to make, tying that all together, is before all three of those characters could be used by God, there had to be an emptying. Because God wanted to fill them right up. Just like he wants to fill you and me right up with, with that, that wonderful, glorious, powerful list that we saw earlier. But the point is, before you can be filled, first, you need to be emptied. There needs to be a displacement to make room before there can be an infilling that can overflow. Which leads me to my, my final piece here. You know, the purpose of infilling is overflow. Because the bottom line is, we call this the, the law of overflow. Whatever you are full of is eventually going to come out. If you're full of fear or you're full of anger or you're full of love, whatever you're full of joy, Simon, whatever you're full of, it's going to come out. And you know what? The fuller you get with whatever it is, the more of it other people will get from you. But the more you overflow, the more of a blessing you will be, or indeed otherwise. So these are questions like this. What are you full of? What would, you, what would you like to be full of? What are you intentionally doing to fill yourself with it? And then what's in the way that needs emptying first? John 7, verse 37 to 38. Anyone who is thirsty, Jesus said, may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And God's purpose is, is that out of your heart, out of your belly, out of your innermost being, should flow rivers, streams of living water. And what the people around you desperately need, that river. That the river of, of life, the river of refreshing, the river of sustenance. They need that river of hope and of healing and of salvation. Isaiah 12, verse 3, With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Isaiah 35, verse 5, And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The 
parched ground will become a pool and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. That, that is a picture of what the church should look like. It's a picture of what this current age in history, the age of the Holy Spirit should be like. Rivers flowing, springs rising up, fountains bubbling and blessing all who come into its contact. And so we pray. We pray, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me to the brim until I overflow. Lord, fill me with your goodness and your power and your presence. Lord, fill me with your love and your joy and your peace. Fill me with hope and with grace and with strength. Ultimately, fill me with Jesus till the whole world can see him in all his glory. But there's no point in praying, Lord, fill me, if you're not also prepared to pray, Lord, empty me. If you're not prepared to, to fall on your knees in surrender, if you're not prepared to invite him to change what needs to be changed and to renew what needs to be renewed, to, to empty out the old so you can be filled with the new. To pray as John the Baptist prayed, I must decrease, Lord, so you can increase. Lord, would you empty me of that baggage? Would you empty me of the residue of sin and world and self? And Lord, would you fill me with the fullness and wholeness of Jesus? Okay, which leads us to our challenge. I'd love to throw you a, a, a challenge that you can think about, respond to, and pray into. This challenge, surprisingly enough, is going to have two parts. And the first part is this. Will you pray with me today? Lord, fill me. And, and personalizing that a little bit for you. I, I wonder what it is today that you really would love to be filled with. Remember that little passage in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Here's the promise, verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, God is in the business of filling empty vessels. And it begins with this dangerous prayer. Lord, fill me. So that's number one. Will you pray that prayer? And challenge number two, shock horror, is will you pray with me, Lord, empty me? And again, personalizing it for a second, I wonder what it is as you listen that you just sense, maybe the Holy Spirit is just tapping you on the shoulder. What is it that you need to be emptied of today? You know what, let it go. Lay it down, just, just throw it off. Pray that dangerous prayer, Lord, will you empty me? And if you do so, let, let him in to, to renew those thoughts and attitudes, to give you that new heart so he can fill you to the brim with all he is and all he has for you. And this morning I was 
as I was walking, my dogs, I got, I got a bit of a different, slightly different tilt to that because there's the implication that they know there's one or two dark spots that, that need to be cleaned out and what have you. But it also occurred to me, you know, there may be, there may be things in your soul right now that need to be emptied. I was thinking there may be in you a sadness. There may be in you kind of a sense of grief or a sense of disappointments. And I just feel if it's something on those lines too, that the same prayer still applies. Lord, empty me. Lord, take that away. Lord, minister to me this morning and just take that away. Empty me of that so you can fill me again with the joy and the hope and the expectation that might replace it.